Welcome back to another episode of Tile Money, the podcast where I discuss the business of tiling. I am Luke Miller, your host, and today I am interviewing Steve Rausch. I found Steve in an article he wrote in the September-October issue of Pro Installer Magazine. The article is titled, Business Practices, Charting Your Success or Failure. Um, Steve, how are you today? Hey, Luke, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, and I look forward to this little exchange we're going to have today. You're welcome. I do, too. Thank you for joining me. I know you have a, a long history in the tile in industry. Would you um, introduce yourself in a little bit of background, maybe a 60-second interview or, uh, you know? An elevator talk. An well, elevator. First, well, I don't want you picking on this long background stuff, or I'll shave my head clear like yours. <laughs> because the gray hair is showing, and, and we get offended easily. You know, we're very sensitive old coots. Sure. Um, my, my business background is, is kind of diverse. I came out of the military. I was in the Vietnam era of military. I went into the wholesale building materials business through a, a lumberyard distributor and was challenged into the floor covering department of that distributor and got into the carpet and flooring business that way and, and did that for the distributor and then got into working for a major, what we would today call a big box type of, of flooring company. Um, we had almost 50 locations around the Midwest and, and then found out that the ceramic tile business was, a, was another segment that really enticed me. And so I've spent about 35 years now in the ceramic tile biz side of the business uh, exclusively. I have owned, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm currently an industry consultant uh, to, I, I like to say the tile and flooring industry, but uh, as I told you earlier, only about 60 to 70% of my clients are in the tile and flooring business. Uh, I've got clients in all different aspects of business. And what you find, Luke, is that business is business. And, and if you're selling peanut butter or fire hydrants or flooring and ceramic, there's some principles that apply. And, and we're going to talk about some of those in the overview of what we're going to do today. Uh, and so that my personal interests range from I'm a pi private pilot, so I love to fly. There's you know, the older you get, this may, may, not, may not make sense to some of the younger guys, but the older you get, the more things like this entice you. Right. And 30 or 40 years ago, if my wife would have said, honey, let's go have fun, I would be in the bedroom with her. Right. <laughs> would take her to the bedroom, tie her to the bed and say, I'm going flying for four hours. I'll see you later. And I would take off and fly. <laughs> so that's an old pilot's joke, sorry. Um, but I do enjoy flying, and uh, I, I enjoy boating and being around the water. Uh, we've got a lake house at a local lake here in Georgia called Lake Hartwell, and I think that's critical. We're going to talk about how guys become successful. I think it's critical to your success that you have quiet time in your life. For sure. That, that I see one of the biggest abuses of small tile folks and small carpet folks is they feel like they've got to work 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. 
and you just you you don't have balance in your life, you have a problem. You can't keep that schedule up for very long. In fact, one of my earlier interviews was titled "The Importance of Taking Vacations" and also yeah. giving your employees enough vacation time. I had a great boss. I worked at one point for uh, Georgia Pacific, and I, I ran the Den Shield Tilebacker program for them. And I had a great boss there, and I had been to the comp been with the company a little over a year. And he came up to me and he said, uh, you didn't take a vacation. And I said, yeah, you guys, you guys need me. I got to be here. And he said, okay. And he understood the psychology of Steve Roush pretty well. Right. And he said, I I'm going to give you two choices. You either take four weeks, your assigned vacation was four weeks. You either take four weeks vacation this year or you're gonna be on a permanent vacation from Georgia Pacific because I can't have you working without being refreshed. Right. I would prefer you once a quarter to take a week off and go get refreshed. And I accepted that in the spirit in which it was given. And I said, it doesn't hurt to try. Besides that, it's his business. So, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And I was amazed at how much more effective and efficient I'd be. For sure. It, it, makes, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And even in the employees, our employees, you know, performance, if, if we find them, you know, starting to make mistakes, chances are they're, they're being overworked. They're not spending enough time with their families. So, and that was one of the, the really neat things I enjoyed about your article, the business practices charting success or failure that I reference was one of the first things you talked about was employees. So I'd like to talk to talk about that because it's a, it's on everybody's mind. It seems it seems like everybody you you meet or talk to on the internet is asking how they can find employees and how you can um, you know get not just any employees but really employees that are going to um, be an asset to you. Can you expand on this idea? Yeah, and, and you hit one of my passion spots. You'll be able to tell when you hit my passion spot. Because I have, I'm a terrible poker player. I start having facial tells, and I'm ready to go. And I want you to finish the question so I can go. You know, yeah. uh, this is what's wrong, in my opinion, with Washington D.C. right now in Congress. We've got employees of the voters up there that have no tying their compensation into their results. They get the same money if they sit on their butts and do nothing or if they cause problems, or if they do something worthwhile for our, our constituents. So I am real big on tying your compensation into your results. Uh, the, the article that you refer to, and I've got, I'm looking around because I've got this laid out so I can refer to it also. Sure. The article in Pro Installer Magazine uh, came about when, when Jeff Golden, the, the editor of Pro Installer, said exactly what you did. We have a lot of, of smaller installer readers, so don't give us the General Motors view of what to do. And I like that in the consulting world. I, I like to deal with a General Motors account. You know, they got big budgets, spend money like crazy. But the reality is I need to focus in on the local Chevy dealer in your hometown. That's the guy I'm trying to make, or woman, that I'm trying to make the difference with. Um, one of the most successful installer companies I can think of is a woman-led company in San Antonio, Texas. And, and at 
I am real big on industry trade associations. I've served on the board of directors for the National Tile Contractors Association, the Ceramic Tile uh, Distributors Association, the Tile Council of North America, uh, the Ceramic Tile Education Foundation, which again trains tile installers. Uh, I, I, I've been in all of those. And, and believe me when I tell you, my largest passion is the small tile installer. I want to see them grow from a one guy, maybe with or without a helper operation to a company. And I can, I, I, I mentioned this to you in our little discussion about this interview. Because I am a consultant, I deal with a number of firms at the higher level, medium, medium level, small level, and down to a one-man firm. Right. And one of the uh, requirements is my non-disclosure agreement that almost is standard with everybody. And with the small one-guy firm, it's not a formal contract. It's an understanding. If I'm consulting for you, Luke, in your tile business, I'm going to say to you, I think non-disclosure is critical. I don't mind if you share everybody in the world that Steve Roush is helping you. That's your huh. choice. <laughs> Steve Roush is not going to say, you know, Luke Miller wouldn't have grown into Luke Miller Industries had it not been for Steve Roush. That's, that's wrong. So right. nobody will know unless you tell them what's going on. So I've got a one-guy consulting firm that that one guy calls me on a fairly regular basis and says, I met with a challenge. How do I address this challenge? And I walk him through what I would suggest and do. Because I owned, I started out with a flooring store in Atlanta, one store, ended up with three stores in Atlanta. And so I've had that growth period. I've had that background. And, and I'm certainly willing to share that information with those installers. But the one thing I found, if, if you only, uh, my goal for our interview today is for your listeners and viewers to get at least one thing Definitely. to put money in their pocket. And I know this is going to be an umbrella. We're going to go quick. We're not going to dive deeply into every subject. We probably will do that later on if you choose. But when you talk about employees tying their compensation into their results, there's a, there's a great company that you, or a series of great companies you should look at and evaluate and use. They use, uh, whether it's Google or Intuit or other big companies, uh, they use a thing called OKRs. And an OKR is business talk for objectives and key results. Okay. You, you set no more than four five maximum, but I like the four number, objectives and key results of what you want. Now, your objectives have to be clearly written. They have to be understandable. And everybody in the company has to know what they are. Um, old guy, I still like post-it notes. If you've got a van you're driving today, put your key four objectives on a post-it note. So you see it on the dashboard every time you get in your truck. Right. You know? and, and so you've got to then take those goals and distribute them to every employee. So no matter what level you are, I'll give you an example. I made a call a couple of weeks ago. I walked into, it happened to be a manufacturing company. 
and they were big enough they had they have small very lean mean staff but they have a, a, a receptionist that is their switchboard operator and their receptionist because they have people coming in frequently she just floored me and you saw one of my posts by the way people should know i'm on linkedin under Steve Roush, and I certainly have a lot of friends in my Facebook page that I can attest to out of the flooring industry. I put things there also. But she absolutely floored me by telling me at that point in the morning how many calls she had with customers, and that several of them were repeat customers who were making recommendations for other people that needed that company services. They were calling in to lift that, that friend of theirs up and network and say, you need to call Luke because he needs what you've got and what you've done for me. So that's the importance of setting objectives and then key results. And by the way, I had helped this company set this plan up. Her compensation was tied to customer satisfaction. Mm just like a commission on a salesman should be. Right. Okay? Um, if you're the installer and you're working for a floor covering firm that you're a subcontractor and he wants to pay you, I don't know, what's the going rate of your labor in California? Well, typically a, a helper would start at 15 okay. and then what's that? An so hour. Dollars an hour? $15 an hour seems to be common. Some, some companies are a little lower, but I think that's a respectable for a, for a helper. And uh, all the way up to, they top out at 30. Some companies are offering 35 um, for, a, for a journeyman tile installer. So, so the way you would tie that in in your market is you would say to your installer, look, I'm gonna start you on a trial basis at, at $8 an hour, okay? And the reason I'm going to do that is here's the four things I need you to learn so that you're more efficient, Luke, that you can help me. I don't have to stop and say, where is the correct trial? Right. Even better than that is go back to, and, and again, I'm pilot, so forget this, but forgive me for saying this, but I do everything in form of, of pilot's trainings. Go back to ground school how do you find out what trowel I need for this job? Where do you figure that out? Do you look at the box of tile? Do you look at the bag of setting material? How do you know all this stuff? That's what I want my helper to know. And as that helper shows those signs of growth, you say, Luke, you've done a fantastic job this week. You did this, you did this, you did this. Yeah, we made a couple of errors. But listen, man, your pay is going from 8 to $10 an hour right now. Okay. okay. Effective next week, you're at 10 bucks an hour. Keep growing, keep learning, keep going. So that's how you tie their compensation in. If you're the installer and you're working as a sub for a, a, a John's carpet store, you say, John, do you track your, your satisfaction of customers? Because I'd like you to be on, I think we got an honest relationship here. I'd like you to be honest and tell me every time a customer says to you, Luke, that Steve Roush guy did such a fantastic job. He did everything the way we wanted it. He cleaned everything up. We love him. We, he reflected great on your firm. We're going to do more work with you because of that. Yeah. I want you to give me a bonus of some type. 
maybe it's only 20 extra bucks. Maybe it's <laughs> extra bucks. Depends on the size of the job. But let's <laughs> both grow. And I'm going to make sure that when I'm walking out of a customer, I say to that customer, my name is Steve, and, and I want you to call back to Luke's carpet store and tell Luke that you are satisfied. If you're not satisfied, here's my phone number. Call me, and I'll come get you satisfied. You know what, Steve? That's a great point. I, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of my listeners who, who sub out to tile stores, um, you know, flooring stores, and a lot of times they complain or discuss on the low, the low square foot rates or whatever. So, you know, I, I think it's a good point to remember that just because you're subbing out doesn't mean you, you know, you own your own business and you own your reputation. And you can also look out for the reputation of the, the big store and tie it together and, you know, help them build their business up, help them get five-star reviews on Google and Yelp. And then in turn, you can, you know, bring it to the boss's attention. That's an excellent point. I have learned, and again, remember, <laughs> I've been all the way through. I've never been an actual installer on my knees. Okay. My, my, my physical skills suck. My wife loves me very much. When it came to remodeling our bathroom, she said, who in Atlanta is your best ceramic tile dealer? Right. I said, oh, that, that would be Tony. And she says, call Tony. I want my bathroom tiles. Honey, I'm a, I, I worked on the Tile Council of North America, the TCNA handbook. I helped write the handbook on standards of tiles. Uh, Tony learned from me. She right. says, well, you're learning from me. Tony's doing our bathroom, not you. <laughs> and that was true because she knew my skills and she knew my time constraints, okay? Yeah. So it was cheaper for me to stay married to her by paying Tony some money to come in and, and do the job and, and have it done right. But you always have to sell up. Don't forget, you're not selling just out to your customer. You sometimes, at, at a manufacturing level, my biggest job was selling either my boss or my boss's boss. Uh, when I was at Georgia Pacific, we, with Denshield, had zero complaints but we couldn't convince the installer to use our product because it was a gypsum-based drywall-type product. Right. I said, to get those key distributors to carry it and get those key contractors to use it, I want to give a life-of-the-house guarantee that our product will never cause you a problem. Number one thing Luke says is, I don't want to have a problem and I have a callback. Right. So we use the focus of the installer to say to the board of directors, who, by the way, put me in front of a panel of about five attorneys, and my boss bailed out because he didn't want to be in front of five attorneys, and I was on one side of the table, five of them on the other side coming at me, and I had to sell up life of the house installation, including labor. Wow. If our product fails, we not only give you the product back, we give you the labor back. Wow. That was a revolution back then, and that was in the early 2000s. That was a revolution back then. Yeah. So you got to sell up to not just your consumer that you're servicing, but everybody that's your customer, in this case, the flooring store. And so sometimes you have to mentor them and help them along too. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Some, a lot of them are stuck in a, in a route, in a route. 
you sh you can say. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, one of my one of my trainers always said the only difference between a rut and a grave is the length and the depth. <laughs> okay, that's so a good good that's illustration. A, that's a hey, that's southern logic, my buddy. That's it. <laughs> You know, um, I like what you said about, you know, tying the compensation into employees. Um, if someone, if I wanted to build a tile business, in other words, I want to get away from installing tile, who do you think my first employee should be, in your opinion? Wow. Our you know, skill level, you know? Uh, you, first of all, I, I, I have the respect of people who want to do that because I did that, you know? I quit as vice president of sales for a flooring distributor and started my own. I looked at that business and I said, I call every day on idiots running flooring stores and I know I'm smarter than they are. I could do a much better job. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, the problem is you got to have a balance of employees. Mm -hmm. In fact, what you need is I don't want to spill the beans on this next month or the next issue of Pro Installer Magazine, which is going to be the surfaces issue, I talk about the four types of employees that you need a blend of. Okay. okay. But there's not one right employee except to say you've got to have somebody who, who very positively impacts and blends with your skills and your weaknesses. Now, again, I'm gonna refer frequently to pilot stories. I, I bought and own an airplane, not anymore, but we just sold it. But okay. my partner in the airplane, uh, he and I were perfect blends and matches. He was very conservative, very uh, detail-oriented. I'm big picture guy, <laughs> I'm marketing guy. I'm up in your face guy. My partner was the laid back, you know, business guy. If it's Tuesday, you gotta write the checks for Friday. No, we got until Thursday night to write those checks. Right. We write the checks for Friday. That's what you gotta have. If that's your, if that's your philosophy, you gotta have the big picture marketing guy. Now right. here's, that I think most guys in one-man businesses or one-person businesses miss. They think that's got to be a full-time person. I talked in this article that we're discussing about having systems and, and accounting systems, and, th and that can be QuickBooks, okay? Right, right. Have you worked with QuickBooks? Yeah, that's what I use. QuickBooks Online is what I use. Are, are, you, are you proficient with it? I'm fairly proficient. I'm not a professional, but it, it helps. I, I'm, I consider myself fairly smart, mm -hmm. but I honestly can tell you when I get in QuickBooks, I slow down. Okay. I spend, I spend three hours doing something that somebody else can do in 30 minutes. Correct. Okay? Yeah. All right. So I'm yeah, I have after you, I'm going to pick on you but I want your listeners to understand and your viewers to understand this is geared at them. Right. Just not, you're just the guinea pig, but they're geared at them. Okay. Sure, sure. So you could get a part-time person to do your QuickBooks and that could be your first employee. 
Okay. Now, let me tell you what happened real briefly, a story. I was, a, I was the chairman of a local subdivision association, and I was a damn good chairman, and I could delegate and get things done. Then I came out of that position. The board fell apart. The board of directors fell apart, not because of me, but for various reasons. And the worst, case, the worst problem we had was our books. Mm. We found somebody who'd make a good chairman. It was a woman who had empathy. She could do things. She could make things happen. So we put her in as chair. I became the treasurer. I already told you I'm not a detail person. It takes me a long time. We use QuickBooks. Right. The first thing I did was go out and hire a part-time bookkeeper. She couldn't, she did everything that my treasurer's job said should be done properly. She would do that much better than I would with just a couple of exceptions. I made the decisions about how we were going to do, and I delegated it to her. She wrote all the checks. She had no authority to approve any bill, and she couldn't sign a check. So I kept that responsibility. So what happened is when I'd go to my lake house on the weekend, she would, she would meet with me. She would have the five bills that are due this week or this month. We did them on a monthly basis. She would have the documentation already assembled. I'd look at it. I'd say, yes, we owe that bill. I'd sign off and we'd be done. Okay. It didn't cost us, it didn't cost us $50 a month, a month. Wow. Her do my books. Wow because the system was set up and she understood the system. Right. By the way, it kept me honest. I couldn't, I made a personal commitment because the prior treasurer may or may not have been liberal with our community funds. I made the personal commitment. You'll never write a check to the name Steve Roush. If I'm going to do something, which I did frequently buy paper for the printer, buy postage to do mailings, if I'm going to do that, I ate that money out of my pocket. So I think that's, is that your ideal employee at some levels? Yes. A part-time employee. At other levels, it's your spouse. Okay. My wife can work with QuickBooks. She does it for her job. She works for an attorney. She handles 12 checking accounts on QuickBooks and, and handles four shopping centers that he owns. And she does that on QuickBooks like you and I sit and talk on the computer. Second nature, huh? All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I I I also hired a bookkeeper. That was probably you know thinking about thinking about it like that. That was my first employee and very valuable asset to the company. One of the questions you sent to me to talk about was was corporate culture. Correct. Yeah. And 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 I think that starts of corporate culture right now when you're one person. Because corporate culture is critical, and you set the standards, and you are the model for that standard. And if you can make your business grow, if you're that type of a person, now, if you're a jerk, the business probably isn't going to survive, okay? But better to find that out early and go to work for somebody than to spend all your time and money. The first company I owned, I'm embarrassed to confess this, the first company I owned was a truck equipment distributorship. I knew virtually zero about the truck equipment company business, but I learned and I worked hard, but I was a jerk as a boss because I didn't understand my customers 
I didn't understand the mentality of my employers, my employees. I didn't understand really the, the industry and the business. I learned it over a period of about five years. Right. But the second happiest day, other than marriage or personal events, the second happiest day in my business life was when I sold that business. By the way, I sold that business to my general manager, who <laughs> thought it was a fantastic business, knew the business, and if it wasn't for him, I, I would have failed. And he was an older gentleman who said, I work for you. Now, this may sound familiar to something we talked about a minute ago. I work for you, but you got to listen to me. I'm telling you, you're doing this wrong. And you got to do this, and you got to do this, and specifically, you got to do this. And you need to quit being a jerk to your employees. Boom. It was answered. It was done. Our business grew, and I hated the business. So it made sense for me to take a modest return on my time and efforts, sell him the business, and I came back to the flooring business, which was my passion. Interesting, interesting. So if there's, I know um, I also have employees who, who listen to this podcast. So um, if, you, if you need to have that conversation with your boss, just uh, <laughs> maybe think it, <laughs> think it through and, and choose your words wisely. Gentle and nurturing. Excellent. Just like you want to be, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to turn off your, your, your audience, but I'm a Christian. Okay. And I, there's a great instruction book out there called the Bible. And there's a few nuggets in there that you might want to look at, like the golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do. I, I think one of the, one of the best things you want, and in fact, next month's the next issue's article on the pro tile installer is going to be about dealing with some people who really think they own part of your business. Right. And good thing. They're the best employees you've got. So if you are in that situation that Luke just talked about and you're the best employee, here's what I want you to do. Gently nurturing language like your mama used to use to you. Say to your boss, Man, I love working for you, Luke, but we need to look at and consider A, B, C, D. And I'll help you with that. I've got some ideas, but I won't do anything to take your business away from you. But I want, to be, I want you to be successful so I'm successful. I want you to make more money so I make more money. That's why I think we should do A starting today. That's the most important change we need to make. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's excellent. And I've been, I've been professing and, and telling guys that, you know, if you're, if you're not happy with your boss right now, um, first of all, I think you should have that conversation like you just mentioned. But second of all, if they're not willing to, you know, change or be reasonable with you, now's an excellent time that we're living in to find a better job because the economy's booming and everyone's looking for employees. So that, um, if, if, I, if I'm a boss, if I'm an owner of a small business, um, one of the big questions is how can I recruit these skilled, high-performance employees? Do you have any tips, Steve, on this? I do. And, and I want to I jump one step back sure. to make a, a giant leap forward. I said earlier I've been on the board of directors of the Industry Association. I totally believe that no matter what level you're at in our business, you can be the <laughs> starter helper that this is the first cast you're seeing and this is the first job you've had out of school maybe. 
you need to be involved in our industry, okay? You need to be uh, going to the Total Solutions Plus, to the surfaces, to the coverings. You need to utilize National Tile Contractors Association. If you're not a member, you should stop what you're doing today the number one thing is go join National Tile Contractors Association because they have programs that teach you how to do it. So what I'm about to relay to you came from a seminar from Covering Show in Atlanta back in June. One of their better installers happened to be the lady that owns the business in San Antonio, Texas that I referred to earlier. She said an idea that made my entire expense of coverings worthwhile. She said, you wanna recruit installers? Do you have a high school in your, in your community? Okay, she said, I used to think that I needed to go. Boy, I'd dress up and I'd, she's pretty easy on the eyes. I got all prettied up and I'd go in there and I would, I would recruit. I had some success. We got some kids that were getting ready to make decisions that probably knew they weren't right for college. I didn't go to college right away. When I came out of the high school, I had two goals, drink beer and have sex with women. <laughs> Where can you do that? And it's okay. The U.S. Army, the military. So I went into the military. By the way, Vietnam was raging and we had a draft system and my draft number was going to make me go there anyway. But <laughs> If I'd have got a college deferment, I'd have been kicked out of college in the first six months. Wow. Okay. So, because that's just me, I, that's what I wanted to do. Drink beer, party, and, and be with women. This woman recognized that she was okay at reaching those high school students, <clears throat> but she sent her installer, Luke, he was there. Okay. He had a kind of a skinhead like you do, only he decorated his with tattoos. Okay. <laughs> He didn't have a dress shirt with long sleeves. He had a short T-shirt on. He wore blue jeans. He had tattoos. He spoke from the heart. He said, you guys want a career, not just a job? If you want a job, go to McDonald's down the street and, and say, do you want fries with that at the drive through window? And you'll make eight bucks an hour. But listen, I'm her lead installer. I can tell you right now, I'm going to make over $100,000 this year as her lead installer. So here's what you do. You come over to our store. We will teach you a few weeks of skills. We'll teach you the basics. We're going to send you off to a training program. Then we're going to use you as a helper. We're going to set certain standards. We're going to have clearly written objectives. And what those objectives are going to be basically four things right up front. And we are going to hit those four things and you're going to see pro progress. How do you get to the next level is going to be completely outlined. Now, again, Luke, this didn't happen by thinking of it on the way to the high school. You've got to have a corporate culture that wants to expand in a certain way. You know what you're looking for in helpers and installers so that you don't get Joe Doper who's coming off the street, who just, he's, he's down, he needs money for another, another joint. Right. So he's looking for a job today. That's not who you want as your helper. Yeah. You specific requirements that you want. And I, 
I used to say you can't train passion, but I think you can train passion. One of the best salespeople I ever hired when I was the vice president of sales for a, a, a local flooring distributorship, the best salesman I hired was a waiter that waited on me at a restaurant one night. Man, that guy had passion. He had human relationship skills. He could join this conversation and be good at it. He didn't enjoy being a waiter, but he needed money. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you know about the flooring business? He said, I don't know anything, but I'd be willing to learn. Boy, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, you'd have to, you'd have to do. And I gave him every hard aspect you got, now I wasn't hiring him to be a helper, but you have to carry boxes of ceramic tile into the job site. Sometimes they're on the third floor. You got to carry three by five sheets of backer board into the job site. It's heavy, 50 pounds a sheet. You got to carry it to the third floor. Can you do that? Are you? Yeah, I'll do. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's what you want. That's who you got to recruit. So indulge, indulge me a minute. This, this gentleman, this waiter, you, you met him, he waited on you and you hired him as a, as a salesperson for your company at the time. Yes. Okay. Excellent. So did you offer him the job that first time you met him or? Yes. Okay. You know what? Maybe (laughs) read the pro and tile, read the pro tile, the pro installer magazine next month. And you're going to see the weaknesses and the shortcomings of the four type of employees that you've got. Right. And you'll recognize which one I was at that time. Because I sometimes was impulsive. I sometimes, let's just say, played a little less easy with the rules. Yeah, he had to come in for an interview, but I hired him on the spot. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's a good, it's a good lesson and a good point though, because I think, I think a lot of times we get stuck in this mindset that I have to hire somebody who has experience doing what I'm doing. No, not always the, that's, that's almost never really the case. In fact, it's sometimes better to to train someone that has that spark that you see and that you can see this person would be excellent. I just need, you know, to train them. I I need to, to, to understand their motivation. The most important class I ever took at any training, college included, was psychology. I want to understand, if I'm interviewing Luke, I want to understand why Luke says what he says and how Luke thinks. And if I can understand that, and I already know what's in this six inches of of garbage between my ears, I can turn around and say, here's how Luke is going to make money for me. Here's the passion I feel with Luke. Here's what I see about him. And we move that forward. And by the way, it's a funnel. Okay. Yeah. He, he happened to be one of the better hires that I dropped in my funnel, but I dropped 20 or 25 hires into my funnel while I was in that role. Right. The key point was I had one out of those that that was a complete failure that I had totally misread. But the other 19 either were great salespeople or I had one who said, I thought I'd like sales, but I don't. I really prefer the operational side of the business. He became our best operations manager. Now I hired women salespeople. 
I like women salespeople. If you're selling ceramic tile to, to the consumer, having a woman be your salesperson is generally, if she's competent, if she's skilled, understands her industry and business, she's more deadly than you or I will ever be. Right. Because she relate to the, to the woman who ultimately gears the decision. All the man says is yes or no about the price. Right. You know, I, 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 I read and listen to things all the time. The Ceramic Tile Distributors Association has a great article that's coming out about understanding customers' needs and understanding no matter what level. Now, forget that this is geared from the distributor to the, to the dealer. But listen to this list of needs. They did a research on, on their customers, and they said the number one important decision-making was to have things in stock, have items in stock available when needed. Number two important is the, the depth of assortment, having one-stop shopping with a wide a variety or array of things. Does this sound like Home Depot or Lowe's so far? Okay. <laughs> Uh, and this is geared to ceramic tile distributors, okay? Right, right. Who's the biggest enemy? Home Depot and Lowe's. That's why they, they hear this. Three, speed of delivery, providing your service on a timely basis. I had an installer who was bragging. He's a great installer. My backlog takes me to February of next year. He is a great installer. He's not a client of mine because I'd have slapped his mouth and washed it out with soap. I just said, you need to slow down on installing in the next 30 days and do more training so that your helper becomes your number two crew. And then you get need to get two more helpers and both of you train and get a number three and four crew because nobody wants to wait until next February to have their tile installed. They want it done now, you know? So, that's been my that's been my um experience as well i i have trouble booking out three weeks much less three months <laughs> yeah i don't want you booked out three weeks i really i i want you i want you to be so good that you have a backlog of customers that are in your funnel waiting to make a decision right that's okay but your work schedule i want you to be able to say i can get to you next week or the week after that's critical. Everybody understands that. It takes time to get the tile in and so forth. <laughs> Number four, order accuracy. You got to have the communication skills to accurately understand. And by the way, communication skills are listening twice as much as talking. You got to be able to listen and hear what that consumer is saying to you. She may not be saying the words, I want. Uh, beige tile in a traffic area that's going to get muddy okay but that's what she wants you need to be able to walk through that and interpret it i i call it uh losing the job before you get it okay you need to be able to say to her this area what do you call this area well it's just my back door entrance area and i just want tile on that floor there but you want light beige because you like that. But now your backyard, I just looked, and your backyard has a lot of Georgia red clay in it. So one of the features of this tile is it's easy to maintain, 
but do you really want after every day when your kids come in from the backyard with clay on their feet, do you really want to have to clean that floor so that it doesn't look bad? No, I thought tile was maintenance free. Well, it's not maintenance free, but let's pick the right color. Could you live with a Georgia clay colored tile that doesn't show that dirt so much? Oh, oh yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay, well that's communication, that's order accuracy. That's making sure everybody understands. The last thing on their list was price. Mm. And you know what, it comes up last. When you give a bid, the last thing you do is price, right? Right. By that point, if Luke has told her, I understand clearly what you want. And he reiterates it in different words. So she says, Luke's got the point, got the picture. Boom, boom, boom. I know we can do this accurately. I know we can be there week after next. We have everything that you want. And by the way, it's all pretty much in stock, either at my distributor or it's coming in. I can guarantee you when we set the date, we should have it. Okay. So, now, I just did this in a, in a business dealing that I was doing. I bought a car. Isn't that the most painful thing you have to do? You know, I used to, I already owned a pickup truck, so I had to get a Ford Escape. Okay. I interviewed five Ford dealers. I was sorely disappointed in the five Ford dealers. I got on the phone and I called number six, <laughs> asked for the, for the general manager, not the sales manager, not that clown on the floor that does the, I want the general manager of the dealership. I want a business person. He answered the phone. That's one point in their column. I said, my name is, and here's what I want. Now, I didn't know what I wanted for sure. I wanted a Ford Escape because I've had seven of them. I was involved <laughs> in a head-on collision oh, on an interstate with a Ford Escape. I walked away from it because wow. it did everything I wanted, including it called EMS and had an ambulance there before I became conscious again. Wow. I want the Ford Escape, okay? Ford understands their customer, by the way. And this is what I want. And this, I said... And I don't want any garbage or BS about the price. I don't want you to play games with me. I need a little education. He said, I said, I want to deal with you, Luke. And Luke said, I'll be glad to deal with you, but please indulge me. I know my business and I know myself and I get unfocused sometimes and distracted because I got a lot of balls in the air. I'm like the player at the circus that does the spinning dishes and I got to keep them spinning. Right. But I've got the perfect person when you come in, you and I are going to sit down with the perfect person who understands that, who is no BS, who will make you educated as to what you need and what you want, and will get you the price for it. Are you willing to come in on Tuesday or Wednesday? Boom. I went to the, to the Ford store, the, the salesperson I would never have gone to. It, he wasn't a nerd but he was real close to a nerd, sure. but he knew Fords. He knew Ford escapes. He spent just like a doctor. He spent the first 15 minutes asking me questions about how I was using my vehicle and why I wanted a Ford escape. And then he said, you know that a Chevy Equinox is cheaper, don't you? And I'm sitting there and I'm going, this guy is my guy. 
okay? He understands. He wants to lose the sale right now if it's going to be lost. And I had to say to him, I'm not shopping necessarily by price. I'm shopping by what we're doing. And I want a Ford Escape. And he says, let me show you what we got. Here's what you've asked for. But I think what you might really want to consider, I want you to look at this and see this, because this is something good that I think you'll like. And when we got done, I walked out with the Ford Escape that I wanted, that I was satisfied with. And I'd give you his name and the dealership's name. I've recommended five people to go there and buy cars. And you know what? That's what you want as an installer, whether you're at your first crew, the first guy with just a helper, or whether you own Home Depot and in charge of the ceramic tile department. That's what you want. Right, right. Yeah, I, I want to repeat what you said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn the tables back on me now. I'll change them on you. Uh, we, as salespeople, and all, all of us business owners um, are salespeople, right? Like it or not. Until we hire somebody to replace us. No, you're still salespeople. Okay, you're still salespeople. You tell that employee on why they want to sell for you. Right. So as a salesperson, as a business owner, we want to lose the sale now if it's going to be lost. In other words, don't waste any time. So if, if I was going to, um, if somebody called me up for a ceramic tile or porcelain shower, I might say something like, like what? You know that um, fiberglass tub insert is cheaper, correct? <laughs> I don't know that I would say that up front. Not, I would yeah. certainly say that if you gave them your bid, you, you've got to build the rapport. You walk in the doctor's office and he says, Mark, you got cancer. You're going to say, thanks, doc. I need a second opinion. You got no rapport with, with, with that at all, Luke. Right. And so you, you got to have that rapport build up. And, and then you say, he says, look, Luke, I, I like everything you said. You're asking me $6,500 for this shower. I'm thinking I was going to spend $2,500. You say, I understand. And you know that fiberglass tub surrounds can be installed for even less than $2,500 maybe. And you could certainly go to Home Depot or Lowe's and go through the pain and agony of explaining to them, because you have to know what you want. They don't know. They're not the top of the, you're dealing with the top of the, of the industry here. You know, I'm a five-star certified contractor by the National Top Contractors Association. I heard your expressed wants and needs and desires, and I'm the guy to make sure it happens. Mm -hmm. Is there some room in my price? Maybe about that much. I might be able to come off $50 or something. Yeah. Okay. But if you're going to buy it on price, I think you ought to look at plastic tub surrounds from, from the local uh, uh, Home Depot or Lowe's and have your plumber put it in. And maybe you'll be, maybe your wife will be happy with that instead of the nice tub surround that we talked about and the insert for your shower in your shower for your for your shampoo and all those things and the feature strip you know if look 
really, you know, Luke, if, and struggle, always struggle. Luke, Luke, I want to help you get to where you want. If $6,000 is too much, you know, if we took that glass feature strip out, we'd, we'd drop down 500 bucks. Yeah. Do you want to, well, no, my wife really has her heart set on that. Oh boy. You know, Luke, we got a problem because she's not going to accept a $2,500 fiberglass tub surround either. Mm. How can I help you get to what you want and need? You hear the uncomfortable silence we just went through? Yeah. You got to do that sometimes. Got to shut your mouth. You, you got to get uncomfortable. Right. You know? You gotta, you gotta do sometimes very uncomfortable things to make it happen. But you know what? When they call Home Depot, Home Depot is gonna muck that up so bad. I had a guy I went through the very same thing. My best salesperson did everything right. The guy happened to be a friend of mine. I was a scout leader at the time. He was in scouts with my with my son you know his son was with my son he called me up and he said you know your your salesman quoted me six thousand dollars for this tub surround and i was wanting to spend somewhere down around 2500 i understand i got to spend more than that but but can't you come he said he could knock fifty dollars off the price come on now steve i'm a friend can't you get it down at you know below six thousand mm-hmm Ooh, $500? That's almost 10% of the price. Do you think I'm overpriced by 10%? Because I'm not. I mean, I drive a Ford Escape. I'm, I'm not in a Rolls Royce, okay? Right. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this. Um, in your business, can you knock 10% off the price for no reason? Or do you have to remove things? Now, remember, my employee had already communicated with me what happened to John's job. So I already knew those details. And I said, I can, I can get that down to $5,800. We just need to take that glass feature strip out of the, out of the tub surround. I know it's a small feature strip, but, but, you know, the difference between a tile job and a plastic tub surround is the wow when you walk into it. And, yeah. and that feature strip gives you and your wife wow every morning when you stand in that tub surround to take your shower and it starts your day off with i sure am glad i spent the extra 500 bucks yeah, yeah. he said you're right have your salesman call me he said you're right let me sign the contract i said john i am so sorry i can't do that and he got nervous he got worried why not I said, because you're not dealing with Steve, you're dealing with my salesman. But I'll have Dave call you as soon as I can get hold of him. I'll have him call you and he'll come back out and sign that contract with you. Because he knows where he was in our, we have a professional process we use and a system. Uh -huh. He knows where he was in that. I don't. I'd just mess your deal up if I stepped in now and, and tried to take the deposit and do all that stuff. Right. Oh, I got to put a deposit up? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We got to buy all your materials. We're going on the hook for a lot of money here, and so yeah. But but let me have Dave call you, and he'll walk you through the rest of it. Yeah, everybody won. That's that's solid gold right there to 
I would, I would suggest, I'm going to go back and listen to that, um, that sales. I mean, I can tell you've done a lot of study in the art of sales and, um, you have a lot of experience. So I'm going to go back and listen to this. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. back up Luke. I'm, I'm not a salesman. I'm a consultant. Well, I consultants don't do nothing but talk. <laughs> You're right. And that's why somebody needs to use a consultant, not because we're smarter, but we've been hit with the problems before. I didn't go out and learn to fly an airplane by talking about it with you and I. Right. My instructor take me out in the airplane and say, what's your biggest fear about flying a small airplane? Hmm. Falling out of the sky and killing myself. He said, good, let's go do that today. <laughs> what? He said, yeah, let's go fall out of the sky and see if we can keep from killing ourselves. And we went up to about 4,500 feet, and that idiot had me fly in the plane, and he pulled the throttle back. So there was no power, no engine. And he said, now you studied everything. What do you do? And I immediately went to the checklist and I went to the best glide ratio and I started looking around for a place to crash the airplane. I didn't care about the airplane anymore. I cared about two souls sitting on board, him and me. Cared about me first and him second. By the way, he set the ground rules on our first training instructor instructions by saying to me, quote, when you're in this airplane, it's my airplane. Now you're renting it from me. When you're sitting there, even if you're in the pilot and command seat, you can't do anything to hurt me or you. Because if it comes to that, I'll bust you upside the head and knock you out, and I'll take command of the airplane and fly us home. So I knew I was safe. That's what you need somebody else to say with you. You got to be safe to say to your boss, I think I'm worth more money. Let's have that discussion. I think you can do this or do that. I think you trying to pay me a dollar fifty cents a foot to lay complex tile is a ridiculous thing. And by the way, it's okay if you disagree, but know what the results of that will be. The number one thing I think we struggle with today, Luke, is we don't clearly understand the consequences of our actions. And if you understand that as a tile installer, listen, I understand being a good whatever, installer, salesperson, whatever you are right now, and seeing the next leg of the stool that you think you want to advance to is to own that business. I understand that. But you need to understand those consequences. You need to understand the pain of not sleeping on Thursday night because Friday morning you have to write checks and there's not enough balance in your checking account to pay for it. I understand that. I understand taking out my master charge and zinging it for $10,000 one time on a Friday morning at eight o'clock. I zinged it for $10,000 so I could cover payroll at noon for my employees. You know, I understood that pain. And that's where the problem is. That's where you need help. And that's what we want to do with this whole thing. We yeah. can recruit all you want, but we've got to be able to keep calm, not panic, focus on the problem, and be ready to handle it. Whether it's a, you know, I talked in the, art, in the article about 
dealing with things beyond your control. <laughs> Doesn't that happen every day? Yeah, I'm it sure does. It happens every day. And how, I, do deal, how do you deal with, you might have traffic on the highway going to your first call. How do you deal with that every day? Right. Stay calm. You focus on your situation. You look at alternate routes. By the way, you left early enough. It shouldn't be a problem, didn't you? <laughs> right. And, and, and then you focus on, and then you use that cell phone that we've become so attached to, and you call Mrs. Consumer. Mrs. Consumer fought the same traffic this morning. By the way, ma'am, I'm stuck on the interstate one or whatever number interstate you're on, and there's a, there's a, a backup and a delay. I told you I'd be at your house at 9 o'clock. It's going to be later than that. I'll keep you posted if it's going to be much later. And she understands that. And you're not a jerk. You're the, you're the best installer she's ever had. And you haven't touched the first piece of ceramic tile. Right, right. It's that communication. It's very key. You mentioned having a system in place to deal with reoccurring issues. What, what kind of systems are we talking about? Which issues are you talking about? Um, are you talking about accounting issues? Are you talking about profitability issues? Are you talking about lack of sales? Or are you talking about spending too money, too much money out of your bottom line that you're not profitable? Let's talk about um, lack of sales and then when the economy starts to slow down or slow times, like we're going to be going into January and February. Talk about slow times. How can, how can, what kind of systems can a tile contractor implement to um, navigate the slow times, make sure that he has enough work for himself and his employees? Okay. First of all, you got to go back and set your plans. You got to have all that done. This is a perfect this 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 discussion couldn't take place at a more perfect time than November. Okay. Because you got to plan for next year. You got to have that funnel. That funnel has to have you have to know that if I put 20 people in my funnel that need my service I'm going to drop five out the bottom within 30 days. I'm going to have five more that take 60 to 90 days. And you got to track that. You know, you and I talked about this thing and we, we held up our pads of paper and we said, we got our notes for this interview. And, and we, we, we rehearsed in our minds what we wanted to talk about some. Right. And so that's what you got to do with your business go down to something that seemed to bother you uh, in your questions. When my article said the owner should spend 20% of their time studying, reviewing, and thinking about the indications that the systems give them and what they're doing and saying about your business. Right. You wanted to know, do I do that on a full day a week or do I do it every day or do I do it one day a month? What, how do you do that? That's a great question. And it depends on your individual situation. That's why you need an individual coach. But I'll give you some general examples. I think you ought to spend 20% of every single day doing it. But just like that guy we talked about in the circus that has his 20 dishes spinning, once you get them spinning, you can go to the other dishes and work on them. Okay. So maybe this week, today, you spend 20% of your time setting up your system 
that says, I got to have five jobs pop out of my, and let's say your average job takes a week. I'm going to make this easy math because I'm not good at math, okay? Details aren't my strong suit. You right. need my partner in the airplane for that. He can, he can give you every detail of everything, but I can't. But let's say you do five, you say you spend five days a week on a job. So I got, I got five weeks in January, I got to have jobs for. My funnel has 20 people going in it right now. I'm booked up three weeks in advance, but Christmas is coming. So that's like another, I'm going to lose another 10 days. Right. So let's just say that, that I got to have five jobs this month for next month. I got to have 20 people go in my funnel. Where do I get those 20 people? How do I get them? You know, maybe I'm on Angie's list. And if I am, I know that historically I get two or three calls. Maybe I've got a website. Is it producing calls? It's not. Why am I spending all that money on a website if it's not making people raise their hands and say, oh, hey, look, by the way, I'm interested. Talk to me. You got to get that out there. You got to go find a part-time web person to analyze and look at your website and say, hey, Luke, you're not selling on that website. You're doing crazy stuff, and here's what you need to refocus it. Now, when I consult for a manufacturer, for example, that's one of the big things. I'm, if I got to hit a pot of gold on my first five minutes, I say to them, let's look at your website. Mm-hmm. Is it bringing you traffic? I have yet to have a manufacturer, including the best ones in our industry, say, oh, yeah, it brings me all the leads I need. Not one of them has said that. So are you working on it? Are you spending 20% of your time working on that? So do you need to hire that other employee? You don't need to go out today in November and hire the, the second crew because you don't have enough work to keep the first crew busy in January. So you got to have that, that big picture overview. I never get in an airplane and fly and say, I'm, I'm going up and fly today. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going up and fly. Well, how much fuel do I have in my plane? I don't know. Do I need to know that? Let's start basic. Which direction, north, south, east, or west, am I going to fly today? I don't have to follow a road. But sometimes you say like, gee, Saturday, we took off from an airport outside of Atlanta. And I said, I want to fly up to South Carolina. Took off, started flying. The guy said, why do you want to fly up to South Carolina? And I said, well, first of all, I I, I want to see Lake Hartwell. That's where my lake house is. I'm not there. I want to look at my lake house in the sky and see what it's looking like, make sure it's okay. I want to see how high the water is at the lake. So we knew that we had to have 14 gallons of fuel mm-hmm. to fly up to the lake house. We knew there were two of us in the plane. We knew who was pilot and command at what phase. By the way, it was his airplane. So he was pilot and command for takeoff and landing. And I was pilot and command once we got out of the traffic pattern of the airport. And, and so he didn't jump in and take the controls from me. And I didn't jump in and take controls from him. I wouldn't have taken off the way the guy did. He took off and he thought he was a jet fighter and he went right straight up like that. I never do that. I take off and I kind of fly level and let the plane build up speed so that then I can take off under control 
And by the way, if I lose power, I'm gonna be able to circle around and land. If I have an unexpected issue, like my engine quits, I'm not gonna die because I'm up like this. I've got speed, I've got power, and I can get back to the runway and land. By the way, I don't, I stay calm, I stay focused. I radio back to the tower. I just lost my engine. Would you be kind enough to call the fire department and get them ready? Because I'm going to come back and land on your runway. And if something goes wrong, they're there. They're ready. Yeah. So that's how, that's how I see that you do those things. You plan ahead. You spend 20 minutes. Now, if you followed what we talked about earlier and you take time off, I sometimes have to work Saturday and Sunday. So do you. You know that. Sometimes it's just not possible, <clears throat> but I take off some time and get that time back. And I use that free time to think. All right. I had a role once as a sales rep where I would drive four to five hours between calls. They didn't want me to fly. They didn't want to spend the budget money for me to fly from Atlanta to Jacksonville, Florida. So I had to drive down there one week a month, four to five hours. I got books on tape, audio books, and I listened to books. And that was before the days of cell phones. Now on your Bluetooth cell phone, because you know safety is a big company culture and a big concern about the company culture, I had a Bluetooth cell phone now and I can make sales calls to people. I can, I can call to Luke and say, Luke, I'm going to be in California next month. How about we plan to get together on such and such a day? I've just filled my funnel. And I've done it because of my quiet time, because I took my little notebook and I made some notes and I said, okay, this is what I want to get accomplished. And I reviewed those notes and I looked at what they were indicating was going to happen because that's important. The information is worthless. If you pay a bookkeeper to keep your QuickBooks and you don't analyze the information, and if you can't tell me right now, and I'm pointing at you, Luke, if you can't tell me right now how many jobs it takes you a week or a month to stay in business and make the money you want to make, then you need to spend time today thinking about that. That's more important than going out and installing that last piece of tile. Excellent advice. Yep, excellent advice. And I, I really appreciate what you're, what you're saying about taking the time to study, review, and think about the indications of the um, systems and how they apply to your business. And as I get older, I, I appreciate what my father used to tell me. Um, when we were in a car and I wanted to turn the radio on all the time, he said, there's times when you just need quiet time. And with, with the technology today, cell phones and the, you know, the dozen or two dozen different ways that customers and friends and family can get a hold of us, it's, it's never more important in my mind to make sure that every day you're, you're creating a quiet space for yourself to just think. And I would say that this has been huge for, for me in personal development and business development as well, is just creating the time to just have the time to think quietly about the business and about my life and where it's going. So I really appreciate what you said about that 20% um, of the time. And this would be, 
you know, for instance, this would be less about two hours or even less than two hours a day. It would be 20% of your eight or nine hour day. Yep. Yep. And, and, and some days you don't have the day to do that. You don't have sure. the time to do that. You know, um, you and I have been trying to get together to do this interview and we know between your schedule and my schedule, your time zone and my time zone, we've, we've, we've done some things that aren't comfortable. We did it this morning. First thing in Atlanta, that's it. sometime before the clocks work in California <laughs> right. to make this happen. Okay. But has this, could this be counted as time that you worked on your business rather than time you were setting tile? Absolutely. You make that choice, not me. Correct. Correct. So do I, do I spend time working on my business and analyzing my business? Yes. I also allocate 20% of my time to education because what I have to sell is the knowledge and the education from my, my ears. And, and I have to be able to say to the next Luke that I talk to, uh, did you know that tomorrow they're reporting housing starts for the U.S.? That's critical information for you to know. Now, I'm going to know that information because I have to. That's my business. And, and housing starts, I'm expecting, are going to be up 1%, maybe up 2%. But guess what? Luke lives in Hoodwink, Texas. And in Hoodwink, Texas, that county of Hoodwink, has had two, count them, two housing starts in 2018. Does Luke really need to know the housing start number for tomorrow morning? Eh. No. Luke does need to know that Hoodwink, Texas, has agriculture and farming and maybe animal raising as their main business. And by the way, the corn crop was great this year. And so Luke has to know that the farmers are going to have money. This is a year of money for them. Last year, they didn't have so much. The crop wasn't so good. But this year, they got money, you know. And so Luke needs to be out there filling his funnel of what he wants to accomplish to get his required number out. Luke needs to be out there using that information to say, maybe, you know, you, you keep hearing that everything's done on the Internet. Mm-hmm. I amazed in Georgia there is I just saw an article there was a hundred and fifty ultra successful weekly newspapers in small rural towns in the state of Georgia. Wow. And and and, and you know you didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize it was 150 of them. So in my small town of Tacoa, Georgia, there's a newspaper and I can put an ad in that newspaper. They're one of the 150 successful newspapers. And I can put an ad that says, are you getting your crop money in? It's the end of the season and want to think about remodeling your kitchen or your bathroom so that your house will last beautifully and look gorgeous. You need to call Luke Tile and we need to do it. And boom, ba boom, ba boom. By the way, if you're a little bigger, you take the newspaper that's that town and the other three or four that's around it and you spread your wings a little bit that way. Sure. And then if you got nothing like that, you know, I'm going to give you one more example that I did in early two thousands in a carp as a carpet dealer. 
I made sure that every customer we installed carpet for in their paperwork had a coupon for one carpet cleaning between six months and 18 months after they had their carpet installed. One free carpet cleaning up to the amount of carpet that we installed in your house. Okay. Hmm. Now I owned a carpet cleaning truck and I had an employee whose mission in life was to run that carpet cleaning truck at least five days a week. By the way, he was passionate. He was a go-getter. He wanted six days a week. Then he said, I can clean seven days a week and make more money. And I said, no, you can't. I want you five days a week, max, six days a week. If the customer can't do it Monday for Friday, I'll let you do it on Saturday. But you're not working every Saturday, period. You're not doing it every Saturday. Two Saturdays a month maximum. You know what his answer was? Well, some weeks have five Saturdays. Why can't I do three? <laughs> <laughs> he was eager. <laughs> but, but I did that. Now, you may, you may or may not have that type of information, but every job you installed, let's say in the beginning of 2018, you gave them instructions about how to maintain their ceramic tile. Right. I know you did, but did you call them? Have you touched base with them and say, Mrs. Smith, we installed your tile in January of last year. It's coming up on a year. How is the job? How is it doing? Are you still happy? You were happy when we left. But are you still happy? Oh, yes, I'm very happy. Have you been keeping up with the maintenance? You know, in that shower stall, I'm getting some soap scum. Have you been cleaning that soap scum? No. You know, it's too hard. Well, I've got a product. In my, in my ability to get for you, that you li literally spray on the wall, you let it sit on the wall for about 10 minutes, it soaks down the wall, you take the sprayer in the shower, you spray it off and you're done. Ooh, I like that. Let me do this, let me come by your house and I'll stop and I'll bring you a bottle of that if you're interested. It, it's only, a, you know, it's eight, eight or $9. Yeah, I'll bring me two of them, so I've got one. You know, and while you're here, I've been thinking about my kitchen. Well, let's talk about it while you're there and you get, take some notes as to what you think you want. Cause you're going to start the conversation, not me. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent advice. Yeah. And the, in one of my earlier episodes, I think it was um, not too long ago, I talked about the importance of staying in contact with these past um, clientele because it keeps, it keeps you top of mind with them. Um, no matter, you know, how much, you know, we all live such busy lives that they're going to forget you unless you're, you know, staying in contact with them at least once a year, but maybe more. Absolutely. I, uh, I really, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, and, and it, by the way, you can train somebody. We talked about not being a one man band. Okay. Right. Do you have a spouse or a sister or a neighbor that's good at that stuff? Bring them into your circle of resources and into your team and say, I'll pay you $10 for every call you make that results in me having an appointment to go back out and see these people. And I know why I'm going out to see them. And here's, here's the kind of the script of what I want you to look at. And if you can't do that while you're laying tile today, you got to right. have time to think through that and come up with that plan. Correct. That's it's critical. I've watched when I owned the truck equipment distributorship, I watched the best 
truck equipment people in the world go broke. In my town, we had five truck equipment distributors that went broke. Every one of them were the best mechanics, if you will, of the truck equipment business, but they didn't understand the importance of the role change between being the installer laying the tile, which you have to understand, and being the owner and responsible for five crews of installers to lay the tile this week. Right. And you don't want to get that out of sequence. You don't want to go hire five crews and have no work for them. But you also don't want to have work that backs you up for six or eight months. I did one of the biggest utilities in Atlanta, Atlanta Gaslight Company, with my account. And I kept a fleet of over 2,000 trucks. And I knew that would fill my business as it existed the day I got that business would fill that business to capacity. So I started the next plan and I went out and I said, I need to recruit some good folks. You know where I went to do it? I went to my team in the warehouse and it was out in the shop and I had a meeting with them. I think I bought them lunch that day. I think I brought pizza in or something and bought them lunch. That's how you keep loyal employees, by the way. Right. Is, is at least once a month you do something crazy, stupid, you know, you buy them lunch, you do whatever, you know. Tonight, when you're done working on your job, I need you back in the shop. We're going to have an ice cream party, and you need to be here. Well, I don't like ice cream. Then tell me what you do like, and I'll have it. With you. you know, period. We're yeah. going to do this because we're going to have a meeting. Yeah. And then you and then you go. You say, look. Do you know anybody that's good that you would like to have working on your team that I could talk to? And, and let me know because I'm, I'm wanting to grow this business so we all stay healthier and we all make more money. And by the way, you know, Luke, you're a pretty good installer. I think maybe, maybe you have some skills that would transfer into the management role. Now, it's totally different than installing, Luke. Are you willing to at least explore those ideas with me? And Luke will say, eh, nope, I want to be an installer. I've always wanted to be an installer. I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be responsible for babysitting other people. I want to lay tile. Perfect, Luke. You're going to be my master installer. You're going to be my lead installer. And I'm proud to have you on my team. And I won't approach that again, but if you ever feel led to change, you let me know. That's what you do. That's great. And that, that's building that company culture. Well, this has been this has been a really great interview. Thank you so much, Steve, for your time. And, and we I covered the first two items on our list. I mean, we're doing great, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to get back together because I I know um this is my listeners are going to benefit from this interview so much in a lot of ways. So we'll get back together. And here's what I would like to tell them. Two things. First of all, get your pencil and paper out guys and gals. And, and if something I said, hits your passion, hits your hot button, you know how to get in touch with Luke Miller. Okay. That's easy. You got that one, but here's how you get in touch with me. And I want you to raise your hand to one of us and say, I've got a question about what was said. I disagree adamantly about what you said. I don't understand what you said, or I want to learn more about what you said. And even though I'm a consultant, I get paid by the hour. It's okay. My hourly pay sometimes is let's have lunch and talk about it. 
and you pay, you pay for lunch. That's pretty reasonable, okay? What I want to do, my passion in life is to see you succeed. So it's if you need to talk to me via email, if that's easy for you, it's R-A-U-S-C-H-S-T-E-V-E, Roush Steve, 55. I'm not 55, but I, but I look like I'm 55, at gmail.com. RoushSteve55 at gmail.com. If you want to call me, sometimes you're on a job site and you say, let me tell you what I'm looking at. Let me tell you what this idiot just told me. And I had to come out to my truck to get something so that I could cool off and call and talk to her again. And I need to call you. What would you do when da 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 da? Boom. Here's what, here's what I would say. My cell phone number, 404-281-2218. 404-281-2218. You can call me and talk about it. I get calls. This article that, that we keep referring to in Pro Installer Magazine, which I highly recommend you go to Pro Installer Magazine and subscribe. It's free free my favorite word the cost is right the information is valuable every month he's got every issue he's got seven eight nine people most of them much smarter than me that has great articles and talks about great things for you so pro installer magazine is a great way to do it but get to them get to me i've probably had five or six calls off of this magazine luke mm -hmm. being one of them and Luke raised his hand and said, I do this podcast. Are you interested? Yes, let's do this. I can tell you I'm going to share his podcast information because I'm in Atlanta and I deal all over North America. I, I know you don't want Canadians and Mexican installers thorning in on you, but if they happen to hear it and they happen to sign in, approve them because they're friends of mine. And and they're believe, believe me when I tell you, there's more ceramic tile business done in Mexico and Canada than anybody in this country imagines. Interesting. It's done by European craftsmen who have gone there and who have taught and done exactly what we've talked about, taught the business and done it. And they're, and they're wonderful folks. And, they, and we can learn from them. And we do learn from each other. Sure. sure. So that's, that's my point I wanted to make. You can contact me. You can contact Luke. And we'll do this. Yeah, thank you for thank you for that that generous offer. I know you're you're going to be. Um, I hope you get some calls from this. Um, what I'll do is I'll email everybody on my list um, your contact information. If if you weren't able to write that down, um, don't worry. Don't you know? Don't go off the road trying to draw or you know write that down and drive. So I'll email you. Um, Steve's contact information and some highlights of this uh, podcast episode. And I'll email you a link to the pro installer magazine. That's proinstallermagazine.com, I believe. I think uh, it is. I think you're right. If you don't have a physical copy at your distributor. So, um, and, and if you want to get, if you don't know um, how to get a hold of me, it's, it's tilemoney.com and you can sign up for my email list to, to get all the show notes and the different, um, blog posts that I write periodically. So, so once again, Steve, thank you for taking the time. Um, you've been listening to Tile Money, the podcast where I discuss the business of tiling, and I hope you're having a very profitable week, and I hope 2018 has been a very profitable year for all of you listening.